Well, we've made it. We've made it to the Feast of the Resurrection. Now, for uh, some of us, we might be tempted to sit back and enjoy the timpani, but crime fighters never sleep. So it's never too early for a priest to start looking to next year's uh, festivals and occasions and holy days. And I'll tell you, we have some uh, competing events in the world with our holy days next year in the Christian church. First is Ash Wednesday. Uh, I know we just said goodbye to Lent, but stay with me. Ash Wednesday, um, the day where we face our mortalities alone, the transient nature of our existence, the beginning of the fast, falls on Valentine's Day. I think it's interesting. This holiday invented by capitalism to what? Sell beautiful flowers that are going to die. <laughs> and overpriced, minuscule meals at restaurants that no person could survive on. And to remind every, well, at least single person, that you are alone. <laughs> like, there's some provocative correlation here. Uh, why I think we'll actually run into trouble is that next year, uh, for the first time since 1956, Easter falls on April Fool's Day. <laughs> I know this I, because I looked it up, not because I was there. Here's the thing. Do yourself a favor and don't ever do anything serious or important on April Fool's Day, ever. If you're picking a good day to announce, say, um, your engagement, do not be like me and not think about the calendar. Because when you do this and you get back on Facebook, you will have 312 people asking you if you were really engaged or not, and your dad will be calling you and saying, is this real? And you'll say, yes, yeah, it's real, and we're pregnant. <laughs> And when he's breathing into a paper, paper bag, uh, you'll tell him that the pregnancy was a joke, but not the engagement. <laughs> and then you'll get hung up on. Uh. It's mixed messages at best, right? So just take it from me. Uh, the most important day of the church year next year will fall on the day where we can take nothing too seriously. So I think we'll have some explaining to do. Because I, I think there's a correlation here to feeling tricked, right? What people might walk around with anyway when they think about the resurrection of Christ. I could give, give you a list of a dozen ideas that people walk around with thinking that Christians believe. Like the resurrection was April Fool's, he didn't really die. Or that the dying and rising thing can't be taken too seriously because we really follow him because he was a good moral teacher. Or that God wanted to keep us in suspense, surely, to teach us a lesson, but an immovable, passionless God certainly couldn't die. Or that Jesus did die and didn't come back to life as we know it, but appeared as a spirit being, a, a sort of ghost, because everyone knows the world is passing away. Or that he died and was resuscitated, something that's not that unusual. Just ask Jesus' friend Lazarus. Unusual, yes, but not unheard of. There are all sorts of guesses, and none of them 
are able to reckon with the resurrection. The resurrection is the heart of why we are Christians. We have reached the center of it this morning. We are not Christians because Jesus was a good moral teacher, though sometimes he was. We are not Christians because Jesus was brought back from the dead, and no one at the time thought it either. And there were plenty of dying and rising fertility gods out there should you have wanted one. We are not Christians because we serve a God whose only goal is to give us pie in the sky when we die in the spirit world afterlife. We are people of the resurrection. Jesus came, died, descended to the dead, and rose again. The feast we celebrate today, if you look at the life of Jesus as a line of this life and death and descent to humanity, to death, then at the rise, this isn't a pinnacle. The line turns multidimensional. It explodes into flame and water. The ascent becomes not just Christ, but our own. Over all of the cosmos dawns a new light. As the writer of Ephesians says, all things are being summed up in him. This morning, the event has happened for which no language suffices, no analogy exists. It is resurrection. The unimaginable has broken into the world. Death has been conquered. The dust that we all become has been made holy. The tomb is empty. We have all made our way here following the women's testimony to the tomb that is now every tomb. That is every grave we have ever stood by, every ash-filled urn we have ever held, and every tear that has fallen onto them. We have made our way to the tombs, to the tombs of our own deaths, of our hopes, of our dreams, all the little deaths in between, all of them. We have faced the death of God, the God's silence in the tomb, the God who didn't answer, for it was only in death that he could meet death, and only the dead can rise from the dead. Death met Jesus and was undone. Resurrection became the event. It is what we believe, it is what we await, and now it is what we do. We celebrate the resurrection not because it gives us hopeful escape from the world, but because we learn from the gospel this morning that resurrection propels us, like the risen Christ, back onto solid ground. That every living thing has been caught up in this moment. We just have to search for it. Welcome to the feast. The feast whose table is laid for all taste and see the richness of God's love towards us.